Well, good morning, everyone. Just past nine o'clock, so we want to get started. It's good to see you all uh, this morning. All right, well, I just want to uh, introduce our guest uh, teacher for today, instructor, uh, Jeff Miller. Uh, he's here with his wife, Kristen. And uh, Jeff is our candidate for pastor of counseling. Uh, Jeff and I have known, our, our families have known each other for about 13 years, and uh, we were in seminary together 13 years ago, and uh, over the years have you know, maintained our, our friendship and relationship. We've served together in ministry at Grace Community Church in California, um, and I, I won't get, go into all those details, uh, maybe another time, uh, but uh, Jeff is uh, deep into the biblical counseling uh, movement and passion, and so we're discerning and seeking God's will for their family as they seek a ministry opportunity. They recently came off the field in Germany, uh, having served there for almost two years. And uh, so we're excited at what the Lord may be doing in, in our church and in their lives as well. So, uh, Jeff, why don't you just come up, uh, watch a video, and then, then I'll, I'll talk through a number of points on just uh, the chapter that maybe, I don't know if you're reading along with the chapters and working through the material as well, but... Um, after we watch the video, and then, and then we'll, uh, that's how I had it in my mind, so I'm sorry if that was a, a different sequence for you as you were preparing, but I think I need to apologize. I didn't know um, maybe uh, the parameters of the timing that I had, so I have much more material than I think we're going to be able to get through, so we need to cut the uh, video short there a little bit, but... Um, I still do want to take a few minutes to go through some of the material that are in the handout and explain those things for you. But oh, really? Oh my goodness. Okay, so that uh, that changes it quite a bit. Um, okay, so very good. I'll just take over from here then. Just want to say it's wonderful to be with you, really. We are so blessed to be with you this weekend and um, have our family join your church and worship. Um, what a joy it's been to get to know many of you. Look forward to getting to know uh, the rest of you at some point, uh, Lord willing. And so, but this topic is really dear to my heart. Uh, my desire to help. Um, not only myself think through this and ponder on scripture that helps renovate our hearts, change our hearts to be more like Christ, uh, but to help others think collectively on this. So, so this, this uh, material that you're going through is super vital, super encouraging. I, I pray that you are being um, encouraged in hope of the gospel, the hope of the gospel for the change of your life. And then to help others think on that as well. But uh, maybe if, uh, if you think on what he was sharing in the video, I have another little short snippet video that I would want to show in just a second uh, along, alongside with what he was sharing. You know, he, he gave the example of the gauge on the dashboard. So how do we, when warning lights come up for us in our life, how do we deal with those warning lights? How do we deal with what God is trying to show us or help us uh, in warning and redirecting us or warning when we're doing something that's not honoring to Him? Um, there are things that God is trying to show us, but we need to be tuned in to what He is trying to show us, right? And that's the example of the, the gauge on the dashboard. Well, 
there's another small example here. Uh, if we want to go ahead and roll the video in just a second. This is a video that kind of encapsulates it in a different way too. Uh, so if you're not an automobile person, not a car guy or a car gal, uh, this might be helpful to rem remember the same concept in this little short video. So go ahead and roll it if you will. Okay, so I think many of us can relate to that, right? Uh, especially those of us who are married. I, uh, we've been married 16 years now. My beautiful wife is here with me. So it, it's, uh, we are constantly growing each other, right? Helping each other in grace, growing in grace. Um, but the idea is, do we have something that is, uh, that is very blatant? And maybe those close to us are trying to help us see it. But we're oblivious to it, and we deny that it's even there, right? Um, there's another, there's a, there's a real-life example of this. If you're familiar, I used this in one of the classes. I, I used to teach uh, in the classroom at the Master's University, and I do some online still uh, facilitating. But there's, a, there's an example I use of a real-life person who, back in 1848, he was a foreman on the railroad construction crews. Uh, you're shaking your head, you might know who I'm, I'm going to talk about. But his name is Phineas Gage. It's on the outline, the, the notes there. Phineas Gage is a real-life example of, um, he was a foreman, and he was one who was prepping dynamite blasts to remove um, rock for clearing areas for the railroad. What happened, he took a, I think it was a 30-inch steel rod through the skull, went up through his left cheekbone, through his eye socket, and out the top of his frontal lobe. Uh, but he lived. He lived. He ended up living, I think, uh, sometime after that. But the doctors had to, obviously, go through with multiple operations and remove that, and actually removed his frontal lobe. And he ended up living after that. So, uh, but again, similar scenario, if he would have come into the doctor's office and denying that he had something stuck through his skull and just slapped a band-aid on, this is oftentimes what ends up happening if you're not dealing with the root issues of what is going on when you're helping someone, maybe in a counseling situation, discipleship situation, or for your own life. If there's something that's obvious that needs to be discussed, talked about, clarified, um, repented of and turned from to honor Christ and you just continue to deny it and live life as if it's not there, not happening, um, then um, we're, we're denying what, what the Lord has for us and we're denying the growth that um, God would want us to grow in. So, uh, just as uh, Tripp was talking through uh, the, this section with the thorns, uh, he, he mentioned the three steps. So the three steps that he mentioned is that uh, we would um, expose our thorns, thorns of our, of our heart, thorns of our life. Um, ultimately, it would be the bad fruit of our life. And then secondly, by his, by his grace, by God's grace, enable, enable us to own what he has exposed, own what God has exposed in our life own that in, in a way that we can repent of it, confess it, confess it first and foremost, repent of it, and turn from it. Uh, not to push away from it, but to say, yes, that's me. That, that's what's going on in my heart. 
um, just be candid and honest and upfront and humble. Thirdly, he said uh, that God would give us the understanding of those, the, the deeper understanding of those thorns. What's, what's going on? What's going on at the heart level of those thorns in our life? What's behind it? Um, how did I get caught up in this way? <clears throat> what's, what's the particular uh, issue in my heart on this? And so he, he, gets, uh, he, he goes ahead with, uh, at the end of the chapter, he gives uh, what, he, what he, if you're reading through these chapters, it's called the CPR section. So the CPR is the Central Personal and Relational Responses. And so he mentions uh, the central part of this is the willingness to practically, courageously, and humbly examine my thorns. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to examine your thorns, the thorns in your life? And this, this chapter is, I think it hit, hits home for all of us. I mean, every, every single, all six thorns that are listed and the examples given, I think we can all relate to those in a certain sense or other. Uh, and they are probably present in all of our lives at some point that we should be dealing with. And so then the personal response is to engage in the battle of your heart with a joyful discontent of God's grace in your life by recognizing and confessing your thorn bush responses. So true Christ-like growth does not occur in morbid self-condemnation, so we don't, we don't turn it the other way around and are self-condemning, or in the other extreme of denial. So we must not outright deny it, and we must not self-condemn, only self-condemn constantly. But we must rely on what Christ has done for us, for the change that we need in our heart to grow, to be more like Christ. And then lastly, the R is uh, the relational part of it. Loving others, suffering through their thorny responses. We all need someone to help us. This means I point them to Christ and who they are in Christ while allowing room for the Word of God to work in their hearts. This is very critical. We are not the change agent for the person we're trying to help. The Holy Spirit is the one who needs to work the Word of God through their hearts. And and help them see what is going on in their hearts so they can change to be more like Christ. We are not to be Christ to them. We are not to be the Holy Spirit to them, but we are to show them. We are to guide them to Christ, guide them to the Word of God to help them change. The Word of God must be the, the mirror that we hold up for their hearts to be reflected to them. Okay, we, we are not the mirror. The Word of God is what we want to draw people to help people think on what's going on in their hearts and their lives. Uh, so it's not my opinion and my personal standards, but it's the standards of God's Word. All right, um, what I often love to think, uh, help, help people think through is this, we call it the Y chart, and I need to make one clarification for your handout. Um, uh, this is not something I put together, but something I gleaned from one of my classes at the seminary, the university, and I got permission to use it to teach, uh, but just ask that you wouldn't uh, disseminate it after this, uh, make copies and pass it out to, or put it on the internet or whatever, just this is for, this is for our teaching time, our time together, so, but it's super helpful because ultimately, um, 
when you're trying to help somebody that's entangled in life-dominating sins even, or just entangled in sin, everything comes back to this Y chart. And the Y chart means the point of decision is at the bottom. And if we had the PowerPoint to go through, these would all populate uh, one at a time, but it's helpful to see it all together too, like this. Uh, so let, let me just give a brief overview of this, and this can be something you can go back through um, in more detail and, and ponder on, think through these verses and the concepts. The idea is, is that the point of decision for every single decision in life, every single decision, uh, you are either in a trajectory on the right side or in a trajectory on the left side. If you have someone that you're trying to help work through life-dominating sin, what do I mean by life-dominating sin? Anybody understand what I mean by that? What's that? Addiction. Yeah, addiction-type issues, issues that have been long-going, maybe ongoing. Uh, but life-dominating means that particular area of sin is, has tentacles in many areas in their life. Okay, so maybe it's an issue of multiple relations that are being affected. Uh, maybe a job is being affected because of that sin. Maybe marriage is being affected by that sin. Uh, it's a life-dominating thing. thing. It rules their life. All right, so even at the hardest level like that, addictions or something that, is, that has many tentacles throughout their life, it comes back to something as simple, as simple as this. It is making decisions each decision we're either making for ourselves, for self, or we're making for the honor and glory of God. All right, so let me just walk through this briefly, and then you can, you can have this as a tool and, and refer to it later. And so on the, on the right side, so general principle is it's easy to make decisions for self. All right, we see this in our kids constantly, right? They, they want what they want, and they want it now, right? And so they're going to make decisions that is for self. So going on the right side, it's easy, but then will eventually become hard. Because, well, we know that making decisions based on our feelings, it's just a knee-jerk response. It's a response that this is what I want. Give me immediate satisfaction, gratification, and I'll, I'll, I'll make this choice and go this direction. But we know from James 3.16... For every jealous and selfish ambition uh, exists, there is disorder and every evil thing. Galatians 6, 8, this is the reap-sow principle. The one who sows uh, to please his, his sinful nature from the nature will reap destruction. And then Proverbs is key here too. Proverbs 13, 15, the way of the transgressor is hard. So I, use, I, I refer to this scripture often in counseling, Proverbs 13, 15, when there's somebody that I am trying to help see something in scripture and they refuse to, to consider what scripture is saying, I just say, be careful. This, we're at this point where if they are not following through on advice from scripture, then we need to be at a point where we can warn them, say, look. The Proverbs say, this proverb says, the way of a transgressor is hard. You continue on this path, it's going to continue to get harder for you. God, God promises. It's a principle given to us that God is, God is trying to help us understand in life, life things that we are, life decisions that we're making. 
Proverbs 16.25, this is a way that seems right to man, but it ends in death. So it continues to get harder. Uh, obviously, sin gives uh, birth to death. So. What's that? Are all those little dots along the line, are those additional points of decision? Uh, it would just be a, probably a compilation. I think that's what it's suggesting. So, again, this was put together by one of my professors, and um, but uh, yeah, that's that's essentially what it's what it's. So it's it's uh, ongoing, decisive, continuous. Yeah. So as you make decisions for self, um, it it will continue to get harder. That's the idea. And then on the left side, the to to make decisions up front that go against our feelings, our emotions, or what we want, is harder initially. But as we continue to make right decisions in that direction, uh, it becomes easier. And so these scriptures give us that. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. John 10.10, I came that you may have life and life abundantly. And Matthew 11:30, uh, for your for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So it becomes easier. You can see the the Psalms listed there too. Um, but ultimately, we cannot trust our hearts. Our hearts are deceitful, right? Uh, Jeremiah 17:9, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can understand it? And we know that Satan is using our uh, our our desires to appeal to uh, making decisions towards self. Any other questions on this initial diagram? It's a kind of a quick overview, but um, the, the critical point is that every decision, we either decide, make a decision based on what we want and to glorify self, or uh, how we can honor God, honor Christ in our life. Um, so hopefully that's helpful. You can use it as a resource. Maybe if you, uh, yeah, if you can sl uh, slide down to the next. This is then what you're familiar with, the three trees. And so it would just be reflecting what we just talked about. And it's, it's set up more in the three trees diagra diagram idea. And so pursuing self, pursuing God, it gives the below the dark line, the heart uh, behind those decisions. So it's the idea of the three trees kind of overlaid into this format, if you will. So the heart that God wants us to avoid is on the right. So this, is, this would be the motive level of thinking when we make decisions to go towards pleasing self. One given in Scripture there you see is the double heart. So James 4.8, James 1.8, James 4.8, the double-minded man is unstable in his, all, all his ways. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. And then also we see there the embittered heart. So the embittered heart uh, also makes decisions for self and pursues self and to satisfy our own desires. So Psalm 73, Acts 8:23, and Hebrews 12:15. And then also the proud heart, of course. Uh, pride clouds our thinking and affects our behavior. To avoid pride, you must be humble. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and haughty uh, spirit before the fall. We all like to use that one, right? Uh, Psalm 10, 4. In, the pride, in his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. And you see Proverbs 13, 10 there too. On the left then, 
it would be three examples of uh, right thinking, right motives, and um, to make right decisions honoring God. So we are pursuing a clean heart, and you see that, a glad heart and a steadfast heart. Steadfast heart, Psalm 57, 7. My heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises. Psalm 108, 1. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make music to, uh, with all my soul. All right, and then uh, James 3.17, the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, responsible, or sorry, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. All right, so we are uh, in efforts um, wanting to please and honor God with a pure heart and um, just humbly pursuing change in Christ. Uh, through this, so uh, the next slide is kind of a bonus. We won't spend most much time on, much time on these last uh, couple of images there, but you can see the uh, the correlation of probably what you're familiar with the tree, three trees. So by the way, there's like numerous different three trees diagrams floating around. This is just another one to help us think on how the three trees work in our life. So you see this: the fruits you have. You have fruit, self-fruit, God-fruit on the left, and then um, what the root of those fruit would be in our heart level. And so let's take just a few minutes. Um, uh, so with the rest of your handout there, I'll let you look at those other, that last, uh, last two slides, last two pages of printout. Uh, the final page is another tool that I often use. In this, um, often when I'm meeting with counselees uh, to help people understand our commitment to progressive sanctification. So the Bible is very clear that we should constantly be growing. It is a, it is a, um, it's a model of progressive sanctification. And so this, this tool, I often would ask... Um, a person I'm meeting with who maybe is wavering on their dedication, uh, their desire to follow through on things, I would want them to see that Scripture is very clear that we are to be constantly pursuing growth and change for the glory of Christ in our life, right? So um, Proverbs 14.23, this is a, a key verse, key text. If you've been counseling much at all, this is very familiar to you. Uh, in all labors, there uh, there is there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. And so, we are to be doers of the word, not only hearers of the word. As a disciple of Christ, do I desire to do these four things? Do I do, do I desire to accept personal responsibility for my desires, motivations, thoughts, attitudes, feelings, words, and actions? Stop blaming circumstances and people for my problems. I believe that change is possible through Jesus Christ, through Christ Jesus. Number two, uh, agree that the Bible can change. The, bi the biblical change involves personal choice. So we just saw the Y diagram, the Y chart. It is a choice to honor God. It is a choice. We don't just follow our emotions. We don't just follow what we feel is right. Uh, you know, in my BC days, my before Christ days, that's how I used to make decisions. Well, if it feels right, it must be right. 
and it must be good and right for me. So that's how I went through life most of my teen years. And it became hard for me, right? So until, uh, at least until, uh, God got a hold of my heart and changed me at the age of 21. I came to Christ later in, later in life, but um, by God's grace, um, He changed me and saved me from eternal damnation, of course. But um, this is, we need to constantly be pursuing, be pursuing Christ in uh, making decisions and how we make decisions based on what honors Him. So are we... Are we accepting that and agree that biblical change involves personal choice? Number three, uh, grow in my desire to change my ways to God's ways, thoughts, attitudes, desires, motives, and intentions. Uh, what do mine look like? What do my motives, desires, intentions look like? Nothing less than genuine biblical heart repentance and change will please God and produce genuine and lasting change. And fourth, uh, be committed to put off wrong desires, thoughts, words, and actions that hindered my biblical change. Continually be committed to putting on Christ-like thoughts. All right, and then uh, it works through this um, ACCEPT acronym. And so you can see what I, you can see the the scriptures listed there. What I would ask the the person to do um, is to look these up and, and have them write down what it would what the passage is telling us to do. So for A, acknowledge personal responsibility. How are these passages showing that I must acknowledge personal responsibility for what's going on? And so on. Just work down through the C, the two C's. Choose to look at all circumstances from a biblical perspective. Uh, Commit to uh, begin to eliminate all that hinders biblical change. So this is another thing. Uh, radical change sometimes is required. You know, our Lord told us, you know, that you know, if, if your right hand sins, cut it off. He's not saying literally cut it off, but it's a hyperbole. It's, it's there to give us the idea that we need to radically amputate sin. We need to radically go after sin in our life. And so are you willing to do that? Is the person that you're trying to help, are they willing to to do that, radically go after uh, sin in our life and, and to change biblically. Uh, commit to become, uh, yeah, begin, eliminate all that hinders, and then E, exert energy to the goal. Oftentimes we have people that come to us that just want, you know, the, the secular approach. Give me a pill to fix my life. <laughs> I have this issue going on, can you help me? And uh, so sometimes we're even susceptible to this. Like, I, I don't want to work for it. I don't want to do anything. Just help me fix it. Just help me be done with it. I just want to be done with it so I can move on with life, right? Um, sanctification isn't always that way. It's not always that way. We have to, we have to think about, we have to exert energy and, and resources uh, to pursue uh, right and biblical living. The P... Uh, preserve, uh, persevere in obedience. So constantly continue to make right choices and obedient choices to honor Christ. And then the T, trust God for the strength and resources to change. So God has given us uh, his word. God has given us his people. And God has given us his Holy Spirit so that we can grow and change to be more like Christ. And so... 
I had thought and given you the, the front page of the outline, I was, I was hoping to, to work through the thorns a little bit and discuss those, but let me just open it for any uh, observations or questions you might have of the information that I've given you, what we've talked through, and what uh, Trip was able to cover on the video. Again, I apologize, I think I misunderstood the time frame <laughs> and my task this morning uh, in some ways, but hopefully some of this makes sense and is helpful. Um, this last page, by the way, is also a, a resource that, I, that we had in one of our classes. So I went through the MABC, I did the MABC at the Masters University, and then uh, after I graduated, um, they had hired me on as the director, so I was very uh, um, just blessed to be able to serve in that way uh, as the director of the program. But, um, so there's, there are lots of resources that help us think about how we can be more like Christ and these are just a few of those, but any questions or thoughts, anything that stands out that you'd want a, a little bit more clarity on or observations that you have? Is this easy or hard for you? Yeah. It's a good question. Uh, or I, I, even for yourself, like when you're starting right a decision, you know, I mean, because sometimes when we just see self. You think anything that I'm choosing self. to do that would benefit me is a self decision. Yeah, it's yeah, not a God yeah. decision. Yeah. But how do we make sure our hearts are pure so that we sure. are always making that God honor? Yeah. I think something that I often ask is Am I fearing God or am I fearing man? Do I care what other people think? Or do I am I am I serving for one? Am I making this just for Christ and Him alone? And and just asking the motive desires question: What do I want out of this? Um, do I want comfort? Do I want the praise of man? Kind of getting a little bit down more into it. What am I trying to get back from this? Because if it's for Christ, I really don't want anything back. I just simply want to love and honor him. I'm not looking for any sort of thanks or kudos or return or benefits or uh, I am trusting him to bring the fruit and the blessing in his time and his way. Yeah, another thing I might add, and then if somebody else has a thought too, one, one thing, I, and this might be more the angle that you're getting at, I'm not sure, but God is a jealous God. And what that means is that he wants the best for us. What's the best for us? He is the best for us. And so are we making decisions based on what honors him and ultimately will bring us the most joy and benefit? Or are we just simply going through life making decisions based on our emotions, our feelings, and what we see is right in front of us that we desire? Are our desires uh, more bent towards just feeding self? Or are our desires and motives more bent towards honoring Christ and pursuing Christ because ultimately that's what's gonna that's what's gonna benefit us the most that's what's gonna give us the most true joy lasting joy peace in our hearts peace in our the whole world is looking for peace of heart peace in our minds and, and heart and, and and rest and refreshment we have that true rest refreshment peace in Christ we have the purest the purest experience of that in Christ. And that's why God is jealous for us to have that. God is jealous for us to have 
to, for us to have himself at the deepest level that we can experience in life. So, If you have a choice between making a temporal decision, a decision based on something that's worldly, something that's short-lived, or the decision that you're getting ready to make will be one that for eternity will make a difference. Yeah. Meaning your glorifying God through this decision will help sanctify you. Yeah. If you're counseling someone, encouraging them to make a decision every day, deny yourself and make a decision for Christ, these are things that God's going to use in your life to sanctify you, yeah. which is something that's for eternity. It's not short-lived. Yeah. It never is. It's something that's going to always bring glory to God. Right. It's always going to bring um, uh, edification for the body of Christ. Yeah, yeah good. So if you're choosing between one decision or another, yeah. choose the one, as a believer, choose the one that's going to be long-term, eternity, bringing glory to God forever. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. I was thinking uh, kind of a practical, uh, you could ask the question. I like practical, yeah. Have you done this before? Yeah. And what were the consequences or what were the results? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. From experience, what do you know? Uh, what is the right what is the right response? What is the right right, right good? Yeah. I think it's very easy to fool yourself before you do it, but if it's something continuing like that, that you can just see what happens if someone like stops you from doing it and gets in your way of doing it. You get mad at them and that if you get mad at them and you know that you were doing it for selfish reasons, but if you and say, God, just didn't let me do that this week. Yeah. And yeah. I was doing it for God, and he took it away. Yeah. And you know you were doing it for God. Yeah. Back to the original question that yes, I asked good. about. Good, I was just... Are there <laughs> minor points of decision along that sort of axis? Okay. And so, to your question, this is going to sound like a silly example, but think through it. Hmm, should I have Lucky Charms or Captain Crunch? <laughs> and so... You think about it, well, both are sugary and not really healthy. So the thing to think about is, wait a second, I already made a decision that I'm choosing a, a sugary cereal over eating fruit. So I've already gone past the, is this a wise decision? I've already gone down the path of making unwise decisions. So sometimes it may help to bring it back or realize that neither decision is a, a godly decision. Because yeah. <laughs> you've already gone down the y-axis of yeah. bad decisions. Yeah. 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 Again, this is an overview. Serving self, serving God, right? Good point. I have some more clarity based on scripture. We are biblical counselors here. Let's, thought, let's give more clarity on this. How, how can we think about it more precisely from scripture? How can I answer her question? Uh, based on what the Bible gives us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Good. Trust yeah. the Lord with all your heart. Yeah. Lean not upon your own understanding, but also acknowledge Him. Yeah. And He will direct you back. Yeah. And I would add, okay, so there are clear commands in Scripture where God says, do not do this. Right? So that's very clear. Clear-cut commands. The imperatives of Scripture... We are to do this, not to do this. Um, otherwise, there are principles that the Bible teaches that are also very clear, that we should be doing this and not this. All right, So that's also a way that we can know and discern. 
So it's building discernment on commands, principles, and then there's going to be areas that the Bible is fairly silent on. It's, it, it doesn't give us clarity one way or another. They're more like the, well, we might refer to them as gray areas or uh, unclear. And so some of those things, we, we can make decisions, and it's not going to be dishonoring to God as long as our hearts are right in it. Is our heart simply just to serve ourselves, or is our heart to serve God? Example, silly example would be maybe buying a car. Right? Does God want me to have a car? All right. Okay, maybe I can justify, yeah, it's, it's better use of my time to drive a car than to buy a horse and ride a horse around, right? All right, so then which car am I going to buy? Am I going to buy the 10-year-old car or the 8-year-old car? Or am I, do I have provision where I can buy a new car? I mean, what's going to honor God the most? So God, God doesn't give us principles or commands in Scripture on what we need to purchase and not purchase, but are we stewarding our resources for the glory of God? And so I think these are some guiding principles that we should be constantly using to build our own discernment and help others think on discernment and decisions on what, how do we help people make decisions for the glory of God versus serving self and honoring and glorifying self. So, yeah. Well, I know also since one of the themes of this class is growth as a community project, Mm. always seeking the counsel of other wise believers. Well, very good. Um, Thank you all for being here. It's wonderful to interact with you on this topic. Hopefully it's encouragement to you. Let me just pray to close our time.